0: Hello, and welcome to Pause Pop, Positively Pop Culture, where we talk about the things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm Carrie Gessner. And I'm KW Taylor. This week, we're talking about the Netflix series Arcane, video games with a map interface, and the Netflix holiday movie Love Hard. This is a little all over the place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll maybe get to some themed episodes in a couple weeks, but. <laughs>
1: yes, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> So you started watching Arcane. I have to admit, I tried the first episode and did not make it past like five minutes, but I was, my <laughs> attention was divided and I got very confused. So tell me why I should go back to it. <laughs> yes. Okay. It is something you do have to pay
0: attention to a lot.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm on the last episode. There are nine episodes. And once I finish it, I think I'm actually going to rewatch it so I can understand things better. <laughs> okay. Okay. But I started watching this because a friend of mine really liked it. And what she said was, This show makes me mental. (laughs) I was like, okay. It's like, all right, good, good recommendation. Okay, cool. I'll start it. (laughs) And its full title is Arcane League of Legends, because it's based on the video game League of Legends, which I don't play. And even though even though I don't know anything about the world, I could still mostly understand the series, and I think that was what they were going for. They wanted it to be accessible to both players of the game and also new new people who were unaware of the game lore. Uh-huh. So, first of all, I just want to say the animation, it's an animated show. The animation is gorgeous. I uh-huh. love it so much. Cool. Everything is like a painting, oh. but the characters like there's so much detail in the characters i just i think it's a gorgeous show and that's another reason i I want to rewatch it but the animation studio is Fortiche which is based in France Mm -hmm. and i just wanted to give them a shout out because it is i think that's one of the big draws of the series Mm -hmm. but the main premise is there are nine episodes and each act is like three episodes. Okay. So you've got this big kind of sprawling story and it's set in a city called Piltover, which is more advanced technologically. And they call it utopian. I don't really know how utopian it seems, but. <laughs> 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 and then there's something called an undercity called Zon, And basically there's a lot of unrest between the two areas. Uh-huh. And it's set against this backdrop of Piltover has been using this thing called Hextech, which is a new creation by a character named Jace and Victor. And it's sort of like magic and technology in one. And that's part of why they're they're more advanced. Uh-huh. And then Zahn is called the Undercity. And some of it is like down in these fissures. And it's very like dark and decrepit. And, and no one from Piltover really goes down there for obvious reasons. So there's a lot of, like, class warfare between them. Uh-huh. And I don't want to get too, too much into that, because that's part of what I don't totally understand. <laughs> I'm like, wait, who is this? Okay, <laughs> <wait>. <laughs> but basically, there's a guy named Silco, who is voiced by Jason Spizak. And he sort of leads Zon the Undercity, and he wants to break off from Piltover and become their own sort of city-state. And then you have, at the heart of the story, which is why I like it so much, you have two sisters named Vi, played by Haley Steinfeld, and Powder, played by Ella Purnell. So against this backdrop of warfare or revolution, you have this story of these sisters And I don't, it's so hard to tell you about them because something really big happens at the end of episode three and episode four jumps ahead in time. And there's so much stuff that I want to talk about in that, but I can't because I don't (laughs) want to spoil you too much. Okay. But I just, I love the sister relationship and Vi and Powder and they have two adopted brothers named Milo and (laughs) Clagger. (laughs) <laughs> they all got adopted by this guy named Vander, who is sort of a leader of the Zahn Rebellion, and he's become a barman and sort of is living a quieter life. So at the beginning, the four kids are, you know, they're trying to survive and they go up in to Piltover and pull a heist and they end up in the possession of these these little balls of light. That are basically the basis of the Hextech technology. So they they sort of get involved in this big thing that they don't understand. And it has radical consequences. And I don't want to give any more details about that. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if I'm
1: making sense. I I <laughs> sort of... <laughs> Um, this is, you're, you're illustrating what kind of made me zony a little bit when I tried to watch this, but you're not the first person who's told me that it takes a little bit to kind of get into and figure out what's going on. So it does. Yeah.
0: It's very complicated. Yeah. And it's, I was really afraid of talking about it because I was like, oh no, how are you going to explain all of this (laughs) in like a succinct way, which obviously I can't, but (laughs)
1: But is it a show that people would who like, you know, kind of future science, fantasy, and anime and gaming would like? Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
0: And I think also okay. people who maybe like Game of Thrones will even like it because there's a lot of like political machinations and sort of an epic kind of story. Okay. So, yeah, if you're like a big epic fantasy reader, I would definitely uh-huh. recommend this. Okay.
1: I mean, I like the dragon prince a lot, which is like this, but for younger people kind of, yes. it's less complicated. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely, I think this is rated
0: like 16 plus or something. There's a lot okay. of violence. Okay. Yeah. And just because the story is so complicated, I would not recommend it for younger children. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It did take me a while to get into it. I was like, I don't know if I like this. I don't understand what's going on. (laughs) But once I got into it more, and like I said, at the end of Act 1, Episode 3, Uh something really big happens, and it changes the course of of the story. And I got really invested in the sisters' storyline and their relationship, because they sort of no, I'm not going to say it. <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah, don't spoiler.
0: Yeah, no spoilers. But I, I'm just going to go real quick through some of the actors. Okay. So Kevin Alejandro plays Jace Tallis and Harry Lloyd plays Victor. And they're the two guys who create the Hextech technology. Katie Long plays Caitlin Kierman. She's a big character a little bit later on. And she's very interesting because she, she sort of straddles both worlds. So I'm interested to see where that goes. And then Tox Alagondoya Gondoya plays Mel Medarda and J.B. Blank plays Vander. And I think the voice acting is really good. And overall, it's just a really well done show, I think.
1: Cool. Yeah, that's yeah. it. I'll stop there. <laughs> okay, it sounds good. <laughs> I yeah, I'm I've had trouble lately with Things that don't immediately pull me in mm-hmm. with then kind of drifting with my attention. But I think this might be something interesting for me to watch over my holiday break. So I'll give it another try. Maybe.
0: Yeah. 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 I would definitely recommend it for a time when you could set set aside some time and also devote your attention to it instead of like doing other yeah. things while watching.
1: Yeah. That's
0: hard. That's mm-hmm. hard. Yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's part of why I can't explain it, because the first couple episodes I was like, looking up from my computer. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you should rewatch those early episodes. <laughs> I know, yeah. But, okay, so you are going to talk about something very different.
1: Yeah. There's no good segue. There is not. Except that so a show like Arcane deals a lot with, like you said, political machinations and and uh, strategies of... of states in a way. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the only way that I can segue this into my affinity for map games. (laughs) And I don't know why, but okay, what I'm to explain what I'm talking about. Mostly what it is, is that I really love to play video games, in some cases that are adapted from board games, but where the playing field is a either real or imagined map. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, so Risk is kind of the classic example of this. So if anybody's familiar with especially the board game version of Risk, that's a game that's been around for like, I I did not look it up. So I'm not sure, but <laughs> at least 40, 40 years, if not much longer. And that's also kind of based on earlier strategy games. But in Risk, basically, all the players are playing people trying to conquer nation states around the real map of the real world. Mm-hmm. And you're sort of occupying territories and then you're battling each other. And when you succeed in a battle, you then take over that territory. So it's a war game, basically. And if you've got a lot of players in a risk game, it can go on for hours and hours and hours, which is why (laughs) my husband won't play it with me, I think. Oh, no. (laughs) At least not very often. Well, number one, it's hard to play with two players. Number two, it does go on forever. And it's kind of, it's a very mechanical game. So even though it has a kind of RPG and semi-collaborative in terms of how you strategize it, it's like Monopoly, where if certain things happen, it can just end up going on for, for a long time. So yeah. Yeah. So I really like that. But then looking at other games that kind of feel very similar, another one that's a little bit more, a lot more wholesome is Ticket to Ride, where mm-hmm. the classic version is a map of North America. So you do have some Canadian territories too. And you're trying to become like a railroad tycoon and you build railway paths between various cities along the routes in like southern Canada and all of the US. There's other maps too. There's like European ones, etc. Mm-hmm. And that is also can go on for a very long time, but it's not Warmongering. And the neat thing about Ticket to Ride is that you have a perception of how things are going based on how the board looks, mm-hmm. and you can kind of see what your opponents are doing, but there are some secret elements that don't really get revealed until the end of the game, because at that point you reveal to, the, to your competitors whether you succeeded in your routes, and you then see who has the longest connected route, and that gives you more points. And so sometimes you have this image of, oh, well, so-and-so is clearly winning based on how the board looks, but then these these revelations happen and you see that, oh, but he secretly got this long route that got him like 30 extra points or <laughs> you failed on one of your routes. And anyway, it's that that part of it can be really, really fun. And that can yeah. take a long time, but it's it's the kind of game that does require a lot of concentration when it's your turn. But when it's not your turn, it's a good, I think, good conversation game. So you can have like side convos if you're not the active player. So it's a good game for people with short attention spans like me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever played either Risk or Ticket to Ride? I've
0: only played them on... Actually, yes, I've played Ticket to Ride on both tabletop and computer. And I've only played Risk on the computer.
1: Okay, okay. And we'll, we'll get into the how those deviate from the classic board game versions. But okay, <laughs> then moving back into darker territory, where it's not a war game. And it's but it's not this kind of funny little train game is pandemic. And I know that a lot of people have been sort of triggered by pandemic in the <laughs> real life pandemic. I yes. actually played it a lot in the early days of the pandemic. Wow. As a form of like coping or else like trying to Figure out for myself, well, how might this get solved? And (laughs) the thing about Pandemic that's neat is that you can actually play it totally by yourself. Okay. But also, when you play it with other people, it's collaborative. It is all players working together against the game. So you're not competing against each other. You're all on the same team. And it's the game that is the enemy. That's nice. Yeah. I love games like that. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels much more like a role playing game in that sense because each person is assigned a character type in the world of trying to stop a pandemic. So you might be like a researcher or a scientist or a medic or a construction person who can build like big health center research stations and stuff. And every time it's somebody's turn, you have to decide together like, okay, what is the best move for me to make based on my character's kind of special talents and Mm -hmm. what would benefit all of us together to stop the spread of this and it's it's that there's like four diseases that are sort of probably in in the world of covid it's like mutations of covid in some ways if you want to interpret it that way Mm -hmm. and it's the real world map so you're kind of looking at that and certain like emergency events happen randomly triggered through various cards and yeah, it's very, 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 very hard to win. I have Ooh. won it a few times, both myself and playing it with, with other people. But it takes a lot of deep strategy and some luck, too. Okay. And the cool thing, though, about Pandemic is that there are also fun variations. I've got one version of it that's Cthulhu Pandemic. <laughs> so <laughs> you're trying to stop <laughs> the old ones from emerging from the the city, like, what's the Lovecraftian city? I don't remember. But anyway, like, it's, yeah, it's all based on, you know, Lovecraft mythos and stuff. And so Mm -hmm. that version is actually a little bit easier. But it's fun, because if you're playing it in the board game, there's not a video game version of it. But the playing pieces, instead of being like the cubes of disease, they're like (laughs) little, (laughs) little old one monsters and (laughs) stuff. And they're very cute. So that's, that's really fun. But Yeah, I don't know that everybody needs to assume that pandemic, the game is not playable during the real pandemic. In some ways, it can actually be sort of like you have a minute where you have some measure of control over the situation. (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And that if you play it on the board game version with other people, it can take a while, but it's not as long as Ticket to Ride or Risk. If you play it solo on the computer... I can get through a game of that in 15 minutes. So it's a nice oh, wow. little okay. kind of quickie. Yeah. yeah. And then sort of the mother of all of these is civilization. And there's various versions of that. Now, I know you recently got a copy of that. Have you had a chance to play it yet? I haven't. No, I'm. No. We're going to wait for when I have time over winter break. Okay.
0: okay. Yeah. Sorry.
1: Oh, no, that's okay. Civilization is interesting because it's sort of a. A simulation game so that you do it, it does have a finite time frame so you either win or lose but it's you get to choose what your goal is so you're creating this civilization this country or city-state from prehistory through future i think the game runs oh it's it's many many centuries that you play and so in practice A single game, if you play it fairly frequently, it might take you a few weeks to a month to get through the game. Okay. But it does have a finite ending. And it does let you play beyond that, but then you're just sort of fiddling around and you're not really making any (laughs) continued progress. So it's just for your own fun. But some of the types of ways you can win are by conquering all the other civilizations, all the other countries on the map through warfare and just capturing all their capitals and stuff. But you can also win through a science victory. So if you continue to have scientific breakthroughs over time, you eventually get a space program. And if you are the first country to get your space shuttle into space, then you win. Nice. So yeah, that one is one of my favorite ways to win. I've won that way. And I've won with being a jerk and conquering all the other countries. And I don't (laughs) love that. It's weirdly easy to do. And it's just mean. And I don't enjoy it. (laughs) You, it's harder to have, like, there's diplomatic and cultural victories, too, where you, you win through proliferating great works of art and philosophy in the world, mm-hmm. or through negotiating various peace things or, or goals for the whole world. Mm-hmm. And the con- the countries are real that you play or that you're playing against, but the map, while you can make it be real-life Earth, you can also make it be just generic land masses. Okay. And the other thing that's interesting is that you can, even if you play Earth, you are deposited in your first society randomly around the world. And until you begin to be able to have the power to explore, you actually don't know where you are on the world. So let's say you choose to play the US, you might get deposited in Northern Africa. And you don't know that until you explore more and determine, oh, wait, this looks like I'm basically inhabiting Egypt, even though I'm playing the US. So okay, that is kind of funny. But I still like to play the real earth map because I like to see if I can get like colonies on certain continents just for fun. Like, often, it's it's neat to be able to occupy Australia, because it's (laughs) so large, while also being an island. So it's a little bit easy to kind of grab a hold of. And okay, so that's kind of neat. (laughs) Or, Or to see if you can get all of your continent. If you are in, like, let's say Central America, could you actually try to get all of North and South America too, just to see if you could occupy that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's weird because they're all real countries, but the ally ships are end up becoming completely fictional. And so, yeah, that one's the most involved, and you can choose to do it a lot of different ways. Some of the ways are again kind of problematic in certain regards in terms mm-hmm. of just being a warmonger or whatever, but. And it can be frustrating because other countries want to just sort of attack you for seemingly no reason. Yeah, it's it's a bummer. Or or yeah. you think you're being peaceful in your colonization, and somebody else whose entire country you can't quite see yet is suddenly like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't settle near me!" And it's like, I wasn't even trying to. You know, calm <laughs> <Yeah>. down, <laughs> Napoleon or whatever. Yeah, they usually. They'll use like the, the leader of each country as sort of the most famous historical leader of it. So France okay. is Napoleon and England is Queen Elizabeth I. Okay. So you'll have these leaders sustained even when it's into like the 21st century of what okay. year it actually is. So it's like, what? Okay, whatever. <laughs> cool. So I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure why I'm drawn to this. I think the thing that's sort of fun is it creates an alternate history as you play all of them. Mm -hmm. And the the version of Risk that's currently being sold on Steam is actually a freemium version. So you can download it for free. It works on both Mac and PC. You can do either over-the-internet games with other people. You can play it solo against the computer. You can do pass-and-play in person. And they've got a lot of really interesting maps that aren't the real world. I, the other day, played one that was a shopping mall so you're (laughs) occupying like the food court and stuff and that was kind of fun and they have other countries i played canada once and france once and so it's not all just the regular full world and in fact some of the ones that are just one country or a very small area those are harder because Mm -hmm. the connections between territories is like the connections are not as logical so you have to work a little harder to get through them gotcha Yeah, I think it's just neat because you can, like I said, you're creating an alternate history in a way you can work either competitively or collaboratively. And even if you're working competitively in something like risk, if you've got a lot of people playing, you can do side deals and alliances. Mm. And that is pretty fun. One of my strategies with risk that I like to do is to pick out all right i'm just gonna work on eliminating the red player and i'm not even gonna pay attention (laughs) to anybody else and i'm just gonna work on getting them out of the game and then it's systematically okay now the orange player and just kind of picking them off like a serial killer basically wow (laughs) or or picking some strategy at the beginning of the game and seeing how long you can manage it or lose because sometimes that strategy works great sometimes i end up getting targeted and lose (laughs) So yeah, it's just, it's just kind of fun. I don't know. Yeah, no, they, they
0: sound like a lot of fun. I haven't been playing video games or I haven't been playing board games in a while because I don't have people to play them with. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, they sound really fun and I want to try a couple of these computer ones on my break, on my upcoming break. Yeah. That'll be fun. But yeah, I sort of like the visuals of having the map and... Uh There's this game I played when I was a kid. I was obsessed with it. I think it was called Genesia. Oh. And it was turn-based. But you, yeah, it's sort of similar. You get deposited in the middle of a map. Oh. And you have to work your way outward. And the, the point of that was that you could find, I think there were like seven gems buried in different parts of the world. So you had to expand your kingdom and go find these Oh, but yeah, I remember it. I just like it because it's sort of methodical. You have a goal and you're like, OK, I mean, I have to do this and this and this to get to it. And yeah. with the map too, like you start in the one place. So it's it's a very methodical move outward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. I'm glad you like them. Thank you.
1: Yeah. That sounds
0: really fun. I'm going to look for that. <laughs> I think they did like bring it back. I saw it somewhere, so I'll have to go back and see if I can find it again. Cool. But I think it was like $20, and I was like, excuse me, I got this for like 5 in 1995, so... <laughs> <laughs> cool. I'll let you know if I find it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Cool. But yeah, so another awkward segue into <laughs> a holiday movie that we both watched and we both enjoyed, because uh-huh. it's that time of the year again. So we both watched a Netflix movie called Love Hard. Uh And I am embarrassed to tell you it took me like half an hour to figure out why it was called that.
1: Oh, (laughs) it's very clever. It is. And I think it's not unfair to reveal what that means. So Mm. the two main characters, Natalie and Josh, those are a mashup of their two favorite Christmas movies. So Natalie's favorite Chris- Christmas movie is Die Hard <laughs> and Josh's is Love Actually. Mm-hmm. And I think that also typifies their personalities. Like she's a little bit kind of cynical to a certain point and he's a little squishier and sentimental. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have to admit it has been a good month since I watched this. So okay. you'll have to help me through <laughs> remembering
0: everything. Okay. But
1: it is very cute.
0: It is very cute. I didn't expect to like it as much as I did, I think, but uh-huh. Nina Dobrev plays Natalie, and she's from LA, and she is like a romance writer, but she basically writes about all of the bad dates that she goes on. <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
0: yes. And she's, you know, she's been on the apps forever, and she keeps meeting people that don't, they, they just don't work out. And then she writes about them, and then she Her friend convinces her to expand her geographical radius, so she ends up matching with this guy named Josh in New York, I think? Yeah. Okay. Lake Placid. Yes, yeah, yeah. I almost said Ohio for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) So she really likes him. They are talking a lot on the app, and they talk about silly things like their favorite Christmas movies. And Josh is appalled that hers is diehard, <laughs> And then she decides to surprise him by flying out to Lake Placid and meeting him in person. And when she gets there, she finds out that she has been catfished.
1: Yeah. Josh is not who he seems. And Josh is played by Jimmy O. Yang, who is hilarious. Mm-hmm. But he was using his friend Tag's photos But it was his voice when they would call each other on the phone. Yeah. So, and everything was true about his personality. It was just that he was using this person that he thinks is more traditionally attractive. He was using his friends' pictures. So, yeah. yeah. And
0: she is really upset, obviously. But she ends up staying because when she goes to his house, he lives with his family. And when she goes there, his parents and his brother and sister-in-law are all sort of really surprised that he has a girlfriend and that she's so pretty and things like that. And I think she really picks up on the fact that they don't always treat him that well. And after a series of silly events, he asks her to stay and pretend to keep being his girlfriend. And she does. (laughs) (laughs) Because he agrees to introduce her to Tag Is her part of the deal. So there's this kind of strange, strange situation where she's pretending to date Josh, but she's trying to date Tag in real life. Yeah. (laughs) And it gets a little bit, I was sometimes secondhand embarrassed. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was pretty charming. Yeah. It's very charming. Nina Dobrev, I've mostly seen from The Vampire Diaries, and so it was cute to see her in a rom com and -hmm. being silly and not having so much angst leveled against her. (laughs) Harry Shum Jr. is in it, and he was on Glee, and I used to like him on Glee, so that was kind of fun. He plays Josh's brother, and yeah, it's got a lot of hey, it's that character actor people in it, and it's just very cute. It's very much. The way one review described it, which I thought was cute, was when Harry Met Sally meets Roxanne. And Roxanne was an um, 80s rom com that was based on Cyrano de Bergerac mm-hmm. because Josh kind of acts like Cyrano for Natalie in a way. But that, you know, it's you're rooting for the people that should get together to actually get together along the way. And that's always cute. So it's yeah. a little bit predictable, but it's really funny. It's very charming. It's very heartwarming. Mm hmm. It's also nice that it has good representation of Asian Americans. So there's a lot of Asian actors in it that have been character actors. And I just like that was really cool. Mm -hmm. And it's just I don't know. Yeah, there's some things that are a little bit like stereotypical in in certain ways in terms of the rom-com plot. But yeah, but otherwise, I mean, it's just yeah, it's just very sweet. And it's a little less treacly and precious than a Hallmark movie. Like it's a little more edgy and I think realistic in some ways. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I agree. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I had Saturday Night Free and ordered some pizza and watched it and it was
1: it was cute. Yeah. It's very fun. Totally recommend. So next week we're gonna get a little bit more into end of year stuff and holiday stuff, but next week we're gonna talk specifically about our year in review of each of our favorite pieces of pop culture media. So like Books, music, movies, TV shows, etc. Yeah,
0: I've got to do some prep for that. Yeah. (laughs) Our theme music is by
1: Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at KWTaylorWriter. And me at Carrie Gessner. And you can find us together on Twitter at PawsPopPodcast. If you'd rather email us, you can do that at PositivelyPopCulture at gmail.com. You can also find our website at PositivelyPopCulture.com. And from there, you can find the link to our merch store. So get some of our merch for the holidays. And please, if you're enjoying our show,
0: rate us and review us on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.
1: Stay healthy and safe and join us next time for another episode of Paws Pop.